ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another Honey Dip Dunk over Chance the Rapper. I am your host, Zach Cronin, and as always, I'm so, so grateful that you'd spend a few minutes here with me today before ultimately moving on to bigger and better things. On this episode of the Hedging Screens podcast, we are going to take a look back at All-Star Weekend 2020. We are finally at the midway point of the NBA season, and it's been a wild one. So far, everything from, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks being super dominant to the Lakers and the Clippers and all those, you know, it's been a fantastic season so far. Now, unfortunately, there is no basketball until, I believe, Thursday night, the uh, the 20th of February. We got we to gotta make do with what we got. So today, I have nothing else on the agenda except to cover the last, or the really the main two days of All-Star Weekend. Friday night was the Rising Stars game. Um, you know, nothing against the guys that were selected to play in that contest. Congratulations to them. But that is, it, it doesn't get as much press as all as the other nights. Now, Saturday is the biggest night of All-Star Weekend, arguably. And that evening we had the All-Star, the, what is it, the Skills Challenge, the three-point shootout, and of course, the dunk contest. Now, Shout out to Bam Adebayo for being your 2020 skills champion. He took out DeMontis Sabonis in the final round. We had two bigs, ladies and gentlemen, going head-to-head in the finals. There was no Spencer Dinwiddie. None of the guards managed to make it that deep, which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. And just It really highlights where we're at as a sport right now, just that there are fours and fives who are as skilled as their backcourt counterparts. It's quite it's quite amazing. Now, watching Bam and Sabonis and Siakam and all those guys, you know, wiggle around the pylons and execute those chest passes, which it was quite fantastic watching them pass and shoot and all that. I mean, it was an it was an entertaining final round. Now, the one issue, I don't, I don't even know if it's an issue, but the skills challenge is the quickest of all the challenges. It takes maybe one minute for the matchups to go, maybe 90 seconds, two minutes if the if both the guys just can't pass and can't shoot. But it's fun. You know, it's it's a nice introduction. It's a nice way to get our feet wet before moving on to the much more time-consuming and arguably better events of the weekend. So once again, shout out to Bam Adebayo for being the skills champion 2020. Now, the three-point contest. Heading into this contest... I went with my guy, Joe Harris. Now, Joe Harris, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Unfortunately, he went up against seven other fantastic shooters. I'm going to pull up the list right now. Give me a second. This group of shooters was just phenomenal. These are all in alphabetical order, by the way. We got Davis Bertans, Devin Booker, who was replacing Damian Lillard, Devontae Graham, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Zach Levine, Duncan Robinson, and Trey Young. Now, the first round was a little underwhelming, I would say. Trey Young did not shoot that great. He finished with, I believe, the lowest. Yeah, he had the lowest score. He managed just 15. Next, Devontae Graham with 18. Duncan Robinson with 19. Now, Zach Levine, the hometown kid in Chicago. Well, not from Chicago, but playing for Chicago, representing the Bulls, put up a rather respectable 23 points, as did Joe Harris, who finished just below him at 22. 
Now this year's contest was a little different. It featured the same setup as years past. You know, you had the, what was it? The five racks positioned along the perimeter. All the racks, they have the four balls that are regular. The final ball is the money ball worth two points. And then the player had their choice of where to put their money ball rack, which featured five money balls. Now the tweak, however, came in the form of two, some Mountain Dew, some Mountain Dew shots or whatever. The point is, there were these two green balls placed at about, I think it was 29 feet, 9 inches away from the basket, right in between the wings and the top of the key. So if a player were to make those shots, they would get an additional six points. To make up for, to make up for those two extra racks, more or less, the league decided to lengthen the time of each round. I believe they got a minute and 10 seconds as opposed to the previous minute. Now, Davis Bertans was just fucking incredible. Knocking down, I want to say three out of the four Mountain Dew balls or something like that. He had, a, he had an incredibly high conversion rate. But the final round, ladies and gentlemen, the final round was nothing short of fantastic. It pitted Devin Booker and Buddy Heald contending for the title. So Booker comes out and he is scorching. This young man buried 26 points. He put up 26 in the final round. Now, Buddy Heald is a lights-out shooter. This man is, he could shoot it with the best of them. So he comes out, he starts getting hot a little bit, and it comes down to the final rack, the money ball rack. And he makes, I want to say, four out of five attempts, and he eclipses Devin Booker on the final shot. He shot the fifth ball with 25 points tallied, switched it home, and was the winner on a buzzer beater. It was it was fantastic. It was Buddy Heald was a joy to watch that evening, as was everyone else not named Trey Young. One could make the case that the three-point contest in recent years has been more entertaining than the dunk contest, making it probably the most exciting event on Saturday night. I wouldn't say that about this year, but the three-point contest was it was absolutely phenomenal. Everybody from top to bottom, even though my guy Joe Harris was unable to repeat and defend his title, it was, it's at least, I guess the guys, you know, all the, the losers, quote unquote, they'd be like, oh, okay, you know, Buddy Heald, Devin Booker. I mean, they, they were looking unstoppable. Devin Booker in particular was shooting like he was mad that he wasn't an initial selection for any of these events or even the All-Star game. And I can't really blame him. So he almost had it, but, you know, sometimes... It's better to be lucky than good, and Buddy Heald was good, but he was also very lucky that evening. Now, the dunk contest, which is the follow-up in the nightcap to All-Star Saturday night, was just as entertaining as a three-point contest. In fact, I would argue that it was more entertaining. So the field, we had Dwight Howard, Pat Connaughton, uh, Derek Jones Jr., and Aaron Gordon, who was looking to get his first dunk title after losing to Zach Levine a couple years ago. Now, the first round, the first round of dunks was, it was, it was okay. So Dwight Howard kicked us off. His starter dunk was kind of like a Christ pose in midair. It was like a, it was, he went to do a 360, but paused halfway through and then converted the dunk. It was, it was solid. It was a good first dunk, but I don't know, not even but. And the judges awarded him a 41, which was right. He didn't do anything 
spectacular. He wasn't too creative. There were no props. There was no none of that. He didn't bring anybody out and jump over them. So the score was adequate. After that, Derek Jones Jr. comes out. And he enlists the help of his teammate, Bam Adebayo. He also brought out a cake, which was nice, although I'm not sure if he shared with anybody else or if he you know, tried to fatten up the other contestants to make them just a little heavier so that way they couldn't get that lift. Obviously not, because Aaron Gordon and Pat Connaughton were flying after this. So anyway, Derek Jones Jr. comes down the lane. You know, there are cheerleaders on either side of him as he's gaining speed. He jumps over Bam and does a kind of like half windmill. I don't know if it was on purpose or not. It really looked like he was trying to not lose the ball on his way up. Regardless, converted the dunk. Very powerful. Very impressive. And he got a 46. Not bad. So from there, the dunks became... A little more impressive. Like, Dwight's dunk compared to the rest of the fields, it, it just pales in comparison. It's like watching... It was like watching Vince Carter go up against a high school sophomore. So, Pat Connaughton comes out, and he's dressed... He's dressed up as Woody Harrelson from White Men Can't Jump. He's got the short shorts. He's got the white shirt, except the picture on the shirt was, I believe, a Milwaukee Bucks team picture from Halloween. I cannot conform I cannot confirm that, but that's what it looked like to me. Now, he brings out Christian Yelich, who is, I believe, an outfielder for the Milwaukee Bucks. Pardon me, I'm not a baseball guy. I do, however, know that he was the National League MVP a couple years ago. So Yelich comes out wearing a very fitting Kareem Abdul Jabbar jersey, and Connaughton just skies over him. But what was especially impressive about Constance Dunk was when he was above Yelich, he had to, like, reach into his lap. Constance had to reach into his lap to bring the ball back up to finish the dunk. It was, it was very impressive, and it, it earned a 45. So, as you can tell, the judges, they were not really willing to give out high scores in the first round, which makes sense because the guys didn't really wow us. You know, they were kind of just getting warmed up, making sure that they had their legs underneath them and just trying to get a solid score for their subsequent dunk. So that way they could really build off of that. Now, Aaron Gordon comes out and he does a reverse under the leg. He does a reverse under one leg dunk. He got the first perfect score of the night. However, he missed his first attempt. So one could argue that he should have been much closer to everybody else in the 45 46, 47 range. Don't get me wrong. The dunk was still very impressive, but missing your first attempt. And this was a legit attempt. Like he went up and just didn't convert. It's not like he jumped and bailed in midair and didn't even try to put the ball in the basket. He tried to put the ball in the basket and he missed, unfortunately. So he closes out the first round. Second round begins. I think it begins again with Dwight Howard. Now, this is where the judging start to, started to get pretty wonky. So Dwight Howard, the artist formerly known as Superman, at least for the younger generation who didn't grow up watching Shaquille O'Neal, he comes out wearing a, the blue, like a blue, a tight blue Superman shirt, puts the cape on. This dunk, however, was more than a Superman dunk. It was kind of a, it was pretty much a Kobe Bryant tribute. There was a 24 embroidered on the front of his shirt the basketball that Howard was dunking with was also I believe it had a Kobe Bryant signature on it unfortunately 
the dunk was not that great. It was a basic alley-oop where Dwight just went up and dunked it. He got a 49 for that dunk, which was much too high. His first dunk was it, not even compared to the rest of the field, but compared to his first dunk, this was not as impressive. It was, it was a routine alley-oop, and Dwight is still a freak athlete. Granted, he jumped from pretty far out, and he got great hang time, and it was a powerful dunk and all that, but there was nothing that was really deserving of a perfect score. And that w- at that point, that's when we all knew that it could go south. But it, w- it was still a decent duck. Now, luckily, the other three contenders made up for it. So Derek Jones Jr., I wish I remembered how the ordering – I wish I remembered how the ordering was because I just have it all written down on a document here. And I'm just oh, – fuck it. I'm going to read it off. So Derek Jones Jr. comes out and – does his first under-the-leg dunk. Now, this was like a reverse 360 under-the-leg. I I really don't know how to describe it. All I know is that it was fucking incredible, and it set everybody off. It was a legitimate 50, maybe. I know there are some people who don't like to give out 50s so liberally, but it it was a solid dunk. If anything, it was no less deserving of a 48 or whatever. But he also he got it on the first attempt, I believe, which has to account for something. And he was also it was also the first time he did that dunk in the contest. So obviously the score is going to be a little bit higher. It was a quality dunk nonetheless. Now Pat Connaughton comes out and he enlists the help of his friend Giannis. Now Giannis is pushing seven feet. I don't know what the NBA lists him as officially. You know, what? let's look this up real quick. The NBA lists him officially at six foot eleven. Now, in in sneakers, he was probably a little closer to seven feet. So Connaughton runs up from the baseline, jumps over the future MVP most likely, and taps the ball on the backboard, slams it down. Now, upon first glance, this was one of those dunks where you didn't really appreciate the degree of difficulty until you saw it in slow motion, and that's just something that. Non-dunkers like myself can't really appreciate because we didn't see it from the camera angle. The camera angle was looking straight ahead at, or it was all off to the side, but it really was the point. The point being it was in front of the basket. It had everything in view and all we saw was Connaughton go up and slam and slam it home. It actually looked like he got caught on the rim. That was my initial reaction. I was like, did he just, did he almost get stuffed by the rim? No, he bounced it off the backboard, and then finished it, which requires an incredible degree of body control and coordination, athleticism, all the stuff that Pat Connaughton has. And he was awarded a 50. Now, Aaron Gordon had the privilege of dunking last, and he brings out Mr. I Love My Wife himself, Chance the Rapper. Now, Chance the Rapper is not a particularly tall guy, but that didn't matter. Gordon puts the ball in his hands, and he's rest. He's standing in front of the hoop, like directly in front. So Gordon comes out, and he elevates. And I don't know what he did, but he kind of like grabbed the ball and twisted his arm and dunked it behind himself. I don't. I, it's it's very difficult to describe because I 
it, I, I just, I don't know what he did. Like, I know what he, I know what he did. I saw it. I was blown away by it. But just trying to articulate it doesn't really do it justice. You'd have to look up the highlights of the dunk contest to see it. But all I saw was him go up and dunk behind himself, but he didn't rotate. Like, it wasn't a 180. It wasn't a 360 or anything. He just put his arm, like, behind him, which that requires in an incredible amount of flexibility to be able to twist your arm and bend it and stuff. I don't, I don't know how he did it, but he was giving it a 50. No beef there. So the final is Aaron Gordon against Derrick Jones Jr. And this is where shit just went to another level. It was Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon 2.0. I would quickly like to add that both Derrick Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon earned the spot in the final. You also could have made the case for Pat Connaughton that he should have been in over one of them, but it wasn't, the voting wasn't so egregious. And I, quite frankly, if Connaughton got into the finals, I don't know if it would have been as marvelous as it was. So Derek Jones Jr. comes out. Now his third dunk is another under the leg dunk. But there, the twist on this was, it was, it was interesting. So he brings out two, two guys. I don't know I don't know who they were. I don't know if they were associated with my Miami Heat organization. All I know is that much like Chance the Rapper, they were not particularly big guys. They looked like average dudes who were just enjoying the dunk contest. So Derek Jones brings them out onto the court, sets them up a little bit off to the side of the hoop, gains some speed, clears both guys, without a problem. He was a couple inches over the taller dude who was probably around like 6'1 or 6'2. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I just can't gauge it because it's on TV. But he cleared them dudes by a few inches. So he takes the rock, puts it under his leg, jams it home. And one thing I noticed about Derek Jones Jr. was that this man, for someone who looks like he weighs 155 pounds, he's got an immense amount of power behind his dunks. Every time he dunked, the ball snapped the net that it sounded like a cannon was going off in the arena and another thing i felt like the crowd was just garbage they were not that into it i felt like of course you know the nba players who were sitting courtside they they're always hyping up you know their friends and they always look like they're having a fantastic time because it's fun for them but the like the crowd just the crowd just didn't really seem into it but they got better as the night went on regardless that dunk by Derek Derek Jones was, it got a 50. I don't know if it should have gotten a 50 because it was, he had done something similar beforehand and that kind of hinders the creativity of the dunk. Whatever, still a phenomenal dunk. And it was something that Aaron Gordon would have had to come out with. His, his dunk would have had to been at the same level. Like it put Gordon in a corner where he had to, you know, look into himself and really channel the creativity that has made him one of the greatest, arguably the greatest dunk contest dunker of all time. So he comes out and, again, brings out Chance the Rapper and, again, does this obscure dunk where he's contorting himself and it kind of looked like a corkscrew almost. And much like Derrick Jones Jr., he got a 50. Now, one could argue the same thing that I just argued Jones bringing out Chance the Rapper again isn't the most creative thing because he had just done it you know both the guys were it looked like they were kind of going with what was working for them and 
you can't begrudge them because in a basketball game, what do you do? You go with something that's working. If your three ball is, is falling, you're going to keep shooting. If a team can't defend you in the pick and roll, you're going to keep attacking the pick and roll. Now, Derek, uh, what's his name? Shit. Uh, Aaron Gordon, excuse me. He got a 50. I don't know if I mentioned that. Fine. Dunk was cool. It was powerful. It was creative. The, the Well, the actual dunk was creative, not the events leading up to the dunk. Also, I believe that was the dunk where he brought out the TikTok girls. And I was ready to give him a zero at that point because it was just super cringe. And they also didn't really do anything to impact the dunk. I don't know, but he brought out the TikTok girls with the cheerleaders and they were dancing at half court. Just, I thought maybe he was going to jump over the TikTok girls and maybe then make a TikTok about it while it was happening. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad that Gordon bounced back with the dunk that he did. So now this begins the back and forth. These dudes traded three more dunks before the event ended. Now, Sorry, I just I, I zoned out hard there. So Derek Jones Jr., again, he brings out one of the dudes that he just jumped over, and this man bounces the ball off the backboard. Jones, once again, does another under-the-leg dunk. And at this point, I don't know about the judges, but the people on the internet were growing a little tired of seeing the same dunk over and over. And that's understandable, because that was the third time Jones had gone under his leg. And it, each time it was under his left leg, which kind of makes sense because I believe he's left-handed. So the transfer off the catch from the right to the left would be easier for him going to his do going from his weaker hand to his dominant hand. It was still a phenomenal dunk. Like, don't get me wrong. All the dunks on Saturday night outside of Dwight Howard were phenomenal. I don't begrudge the guys for going with what they went with because they the, the dunk contest as a whole, it did not suck, which is really at this point what the NBA is going for because the dunk contest has – taking a bit of a reputation hit in recent years. Saturday, it was phenomenal. So now Gordon answers with his own alley-oop. Now this one was very different, and it might have been the best dunk of the night. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This this is up there. So he brings out, who is it? Markel Fultz, I believe, who was wearing like 13 layers. He's got This man was wearing two or three jackets. And... Gordon wanted him to bounce the ball off the side of the backboard. So that's a dunk we've all seen before. Nothing too crazy about that. But Gordon catches the ball and in one motion catches it with, was it his right hand? Regardless, he catches it in one hand and does, a f does what was it? Like a th It was like a one-handed 360 windmill of some sort. And he did it all in one fluid motion, hammered that shit home, and got a 50. Now, again, he missed the first attempt. The pass was the pass might have been a little off, but I'm kind of glad that the judges gave him a 50 on that dunk because they did it previously and that would have just been like another thing that we overanalyzed about how he missed his one dunk that first time and got a perfect score but then same thing happened and still missed it. I guess one could argue that even though he missed the first attempt, the dunk was so different from what everyone else had done leading up to that point that that sort of offset the execution. But regardless, Dunk was phenomenal. So we're back to Derek Jones. Now, at this point, this is when shit started to get weird because you have these guys that keep getting perfect scores and do you just give it a top? Do you make them co-winners? Do you have a dunk off? It's weird because these guys still have two more dunks each. And it... 
it was such uncharted territory for the judges that I don't know if they knew how to react. Like, I mean, I heard some reports say that the original plan was for it to just be a tie, but I don't know. Obviously, that didn't happen because they continued. That also might have been after or leading up to what was eventually the event deciding dunk. Um, maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself here. I really don't know. All I know is that Derek Jones answered Gordon's dunk with a similar dunk that took what he had done previously and also what happened right before him. It was another off the side of the backboard, but instead of doing a 360 one-handed windmill, Derek Jones went under his leg. Another phenomenal dunk. He got a 50. So, again, I, I really don't know what the judges were thinking here. Maybe they were just burnt out because they just wanted the event to end. I don't know if any of them expected to have to judge this many dunks. And I also don't know if anyone wanted to be that, you know, the one judge who gave them a lesser score or something. I don't know. It looks it looks very difficult to be a dunk contest judge. And the judges I'm going to get into this later. I'm 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 not going to jump ahead of myself. I'm going to get into the how we could potentially fix that in a bit. So, I forgot who I was just talking about. Uh Aaron Gordon. Oh, once again, Aaron Gordon comes out with Chance the Rapper, his what third appearance of the night so far, and Gordon does what Jones just did. He did an under-the-leg dunk, but instead of going off the backboard as he previously did, he did it over Chance the Rapper, and it was kind of like the guys were... It was like they were playing horse, almost, which also was quite entertaining. Regardless of what the scoring was, it was still... It was still a lot of fun. It was still a lot of fun to watch. But that brings us to the sixth and ultimately the final dunk of the night. Now, I am not a professional athlete, as you can tell. I've never dunked a ball on a regulation size basket. I am five foot eight on a good day in Tim's, of course. So I don't know what the preparation for a dunk contest is like. I don't know how many dunks these guys have in their mind. Maybe do they because it's like the contest usually you will get four or five in total. Maybe if that, if like someone just, I don't know. It, it's a lot to be involved in this contest as a player. So Derek Jones Jr., fresh out of ideas, just he wants to jump from the free throw line, much like Zach Devine did a couple years ago, like Jordan did back in, what was it, 88 or whatever. So he gains speed, takes off from about a foot inside, and does a windmill. Spectacular dunk, even though it's not the most original. It's still impressive when you see a guy jump 13 and a half, 14 feet. I don't care what anybody says. But after this, oh, he got a 48 on that dunk, by the way. Now, the final dunk of the night belonged to Aaron Gordon. And in keeping with the trend of jumping over people, this man brings out the one and only Taco Fall. Seven foot five. The is he the tallest player in the NBA? I think he might be the tallest player in the NBA. Seven foot five, one of the tallest players in NBA history. And he's like, I'm going to jump over this man. So Aaron Gordon is do he's pretty much doing what Pat Connaughton did in the first round, but just adding half a foot, right? So he goes up and clips Taco Fall. He hits him on the head on the way up, but still manages to complete the dunk. Unfortunately, he got a 47, and he wound up 
losing the contest, which I don't know how I feel about that because on the one hand, yes, he didn't clear Taco Fall on the way up, but he's seven foot five. Like even if you're hitting the very top portion of his head and it's like two inches, that's still seven foot three. That's a lot of that's a lot of human to jump over. It's not it's not Chance the Rapper. It's significantly more difficult. And whatever. He clipped him on the way up. He I think Aaron Gordon should have won. He should have gotten at least a 48 on that contest, on that attempt. Actually, no, he should have gotten a 50 because if he got a 48, they would have just had to dunk again. And I don't know if anyone wanted to see that at that point. But that ultimately sparked the controversy because the judges for that evening were Dwayne Wade, Common, Candace Parker, Chadwick Boseman, and Scottie Pippen. So the final dunk happens. Gordon yams over Taco Fall. He gets mad love from all the NBA players on the side because, yo, this man just dumped, just jumped over a giant, a literal giant. But it, he was crushed when he saw the score. He got 10s from, I believe it was Common and Candace Parker, but 9s across the board from, well, not across the board, 9s from D-Wade, Scottie Pippen, and Chadwick Boseman. Now, the reason this is a controversy isn't because Scottie Pippen or Chadwick Boseman gave him a 9s because Dwayne Wade gave him a 9. Now, Dwayne Wade... As fantastic as he was that night, both as an analyst and as a judge, he gave it to someone. His decision ultimately gave someone from the Miami Heat the trophy. And that's a little suspect. I'm not going to say the contest is rigged. Maybe Dwayne Wade just was not that impressed by Aaron Gordon's dunk. If that's the case, so be it. But that's why it looks a little fishy. because. Gordon had a phenomenal night, as did Derek Jones Jr. And his final dunk, his final dunk was much more impressive. Or yeah, Gordon's final dunk was much more impressive than Derek Jones Jr. But what are you gonna do? D Wade wasn't the only one who gave him a nine. Even if he were, he still he would have won the contest. So I'm not saying that the judges that they have to entirely scrap the judging format. Um, what I am saying, however, is maybe have a different group next season. I say get rid of the celebrities and have and do what they did a couple years ago or I believe it was a couple years ago. Like, you know, 2010s or whatever. Have five athletes judging the contest. They don't no, excuse me. They all have to be in the sport of basketball to a certain extent. What they used to do was they would have five actual I think former dunk contest competitors, which is, it's great. So someone like, you know, uh, Dominique Wilkins, Julius Irving, Michael Jordan, people like that. So you would take three guys of that caliber, maybe even like Larry Nance or somebody, take three of them and pair them with two professional dunkers, like guys that you see on Instagram who dunk for a living. Someone like Chris Staples or Jordan Kilganon. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name by the, by, right, by the way. And then... That would be the judges. I'm all for the celebrity involvement, but for an event that's as storied as the dunk contest, you really need to have people who have done it before. But that might also even taint it because professional dunkers, they're doing shit like that on the regular. I mean, some of the stuff that Chris Staples does or that Jordan does, it's just it's never been seen before. And they're and they're doing it effortlessly. But then again, that's their job. 
it would also be nice to have that point of view alongside the guys who have competed in the traditional dunk contest. Um, I think that the dunk contest might have peaked. And it's unfortunate, but it's also no fault of the NBA because a lot of the dunks that we see, like the under the leg, the behind the back, stuff like that, there are kids in high school that are doing it. So especially with the younger generation, they're desensitized to these kinds of dunks. I mean, even 10 years ago, no, 10, 15 years ago, people weren't doing that. Like, they weren't doing what Jason Richardson and Vince Carter did at the beginning of the century. It was it was so otherworldly that people didn't know how to react to it. And I'm, I can't really speak from experience because I was a toddler at that point. But just hearing some of the people who were around it and seeing how people reacted during the contest itself, it was like they saw God. Like Jesus Christ himself had come down from heaven and just struck up a conversation with these dudes. Kids, that's that's regular stuff now. I mean, I can't tell you how often I'm scrolling on Instagram or I'm on Twitter and I just see a 15-year-old on the fast break pull out a between-the-legs dunk. I'm just like, it's what more could what more could the NBA do? And you can't even bring in high-profile stars because they've shown that they don't want to do it. I mean, Aaron Gordon was the highest. He was probably the most notable guy there last night. Or not last night on Saturday. Other than Dwight Howard. I mean, Zion didn't want to do it. John Moran didn't want to do it. LeBron's never wanted, done, never wanted to do it before. Because it's almost like unfair for them to get judged so poorly. Although I, the judging as a whole this year wasn't poor. But I can see why these guys don't want to sub- subject themselves to that. Like, I totally get it. And I don't think the dunk contest needs to be scrapped entirely or... Anything drastic needs to happen. I just think that there needs to be a better way to judge it, or at least a more consistent way to judge it. And, you know, the NBA isn't the only sport that has this problem. If you guys follow the UFC, which I don't follow that closely, but I do keep up with it, the judging system in that sport is also not that favorable to the fighter. You know, just from listening to people who cover the sport, whether it be Joe Rogan or any of the other guys that he works with at the UFC, it's something that needs to be addressed because they have different criteria for what's going on. And bringing it back to the NBA, I think the those judges might just have their own criteria because there's no guideline for them to follow because these dunks are so just abstract sometimes. It's like, it really is an art form. Dunking is an art form. And there are some guys who do it better and there are some guys who aren't that great at it. And there are some guys who rip off other guys or use them as inspiration. I think that the NBA just needs to sit, maybe sit down with the players and try to find a criteria for them to, or try to, yeah, try to find a criteria that they can follow to award out points and avoid stuff like this. But I, I have no beef with what went down on Saturday night. I'm glad that the dunk contest wasn't a shit show. I'm glad that the three-point shootout was competitive and featured fantastic performances from multiple guys. Um, I also do want to send my sympathy to Aaron Gordon for now having missed out on two dunk contest titles despite having two of the best dunk contest performances of all time. It's very upsetting, and 
I understand why he's not going to compete going forward. But um, I think it was Bamani Jones said something on Monday on on what was it? Highly questionable. Where he said that it didn't matter if Aaron Gordon won or not, he wasn't going to come back. It's the dunk contest isn't something that players do that often. It's just it just isn't because it's tough to come up with all these ideas and shit like that. And I'm ranting, so I'm just going to go ahead and push it on to Sunday. Now, Sunday was the All-Star Game. Supposed to be the peak of the weekend. You have the 24 best players going head-to-head. And this featured some more tweaks. Now, the tweaks were to the games themselves. To the game themselves. The NBA still went with the playground style, picking the teams and all that. Now, however, the quarters were there to be won on a quarter-by-quarter basis. So, Team LeBron... For, instance, for example, Team LeBron came out, won the first quarter. Team Giannis came out, won the second quarter. And the third quarter was a tie. As a result, the fourth quarter begins, and the teams have a target score of 157. Now, there was no time limit for this quarter, which was quite interesting. And I was falling asleep on Sunday night because of just how long the game took. There still was a shot clock, so the game moved at a respectable pace, but... Other than that, it did kind of drag on. However, before I get into that, I think I should just point out that um, Kawhi Leonard took home the first Kobe Bryant All-Star Game MVP. The award was renamed in honor of Kobe, I believe, a couple of hours before the game started. So congratulations to him. He finished with 30 points and 7 rebounds. LeBron also made a solid case, having 23 points himself, also adding 6 assists. And five rebounds. And then Chris Paul, someone who I felt shouldn't have been an all-star, tallied 23 points and also dished out six assists. So congratulations to him. Um, on Team Giannis, if Team Giannis pulled out this victory, he would have brought home the MVP. He inhaled 11 rebounds and added 25 points to that. He also got great production from Kemba Walker and Joel Embiid, who combined for, what is that, 45 points? Uh, yeah, 45 points. Also, Rudy Gobert, who had a double-double, 21 points and 11 boards. This this game, from start to finish, was it was it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I can't lie, the All-Star Game. It's not been something that I've paid a lot of attention to over the last couple of years, but this was significantly different. I believe Kobe said that if there was one change he could make to the All-Star Game, it would be that the players play harder, and the guys they played, they definitely played harder. The first three quarters, of course, were a little lackadaisical, but nothing compared to years prior where guys were pretty much just dribbling past half court. They would meet a little bit of defense on the perimeter and then have an uncontested layup. There, was, there wasn't there was that much of that, if I remember correctly. There were, of course, a lot of fast break points because you know guys want to get out and run and have a good time, work up a sweat a little bit, but really nothing too crazy. There was, there was a lot of off-ball action which was interesting, and there were some sets that guys were actually running throughout the first three periods, but once those concluded and the fourth quarter began, it was like we were watching an entirely different game. It had almost a regular season game atmosphere to it. There was intense defense. Guys were actually competing. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because the um, the teams, they each had charities that they would be donating to if they won. I don't know what fueled it. I don't know if it was 
them playing in honor of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Also, their uniforms were, I believe, Team LeBron wore number two in honor of Gigi. Team Giannis wore 24 in honor of Kobe. I don't know if that played a role in it. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it did. But regardless, the fourth quarter was intense. I mean, you had Kyle Lowry taking charges. You had guys playing help. You had guys rotating on defense. I mean, it was just, it was spectacular. And I think that, I think the combined field goal percentage was 36% in the fourth quarter. Don't quote me on that, but I know it was significantly lower than the previous quarters. So the one gripe that I had with the game, and I, I think there were some, some, um, some other people that shared the same sentiment was team LeBron won it on a free throw. Anthony Davis goes to the line and the score is 156 to 155. He misses his first free throw and then cashes in the second. With that, the game ends, right? I do not feel that's fair to Team Giannis or whoever the team is going to be going forward because they don't even get a shot at you know tying or winning the game. Even in a regular basketball game, if someone goes to the line late in the fourth quarter, there still might be a second or two for the team, for the opponent to maybe call timeout if they have advanced the ball, draw up a quick hitting play, and just like put up a final shot. With this, there was none of that. And I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't a fix for this already. I mean, Adam Silver worked with the NBA, with the um, NBPA to devise this new All-Star Game format. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Chris Paul had, he had a hand in helping revamp the system. I don't know if that concern ever came up, maybe because they were just too focused on these changes, which is understandable because they overhauled the game quite, it was it was quite a sizable overhaul. Anyway, going forward, I think that a good fix for this is just giving the other team a chance to win, but only if the score is three or less. So they get after, let's say, we'll use Sunday's game as an example. Anthony Davis hits, hits the free throw. Puts his team up by two. So Team Giannis gets the ball, and they have one possession. They have 24 seconds to tie or win the game. It's just like when you're playing pickup, and like the score is it's like 14-15, and you hit a two, you keep going. It's win by two. So you like the other team still gets the chance or something like that. You know, whatever. As long as you don't miss the shot, that's kind of it's kind of the same, but not really. Um, so Team Giannis would get the ball. Down by two. If they get a two, the game continues. And then you would say maybe, it, then you make it sudden death or something. So if Giannis comes down, gets a dunk, ties the score at 157, the next team to win scores. It's it's kind of like how the NFL overtime rule should be, where you know you have to give each team the opportunity to win. So Giannis comes down, hypothetically, of course, Ties the game, and then LeBron comes down, hits a two, a three, whatever. The game is over. At that point, the game is over. And Team Le- Team Giannis had the chance to tie. They did. They didn't get the stop. Shit happens. Now, let's say Giannis comes down, hits a three. Game's over. It's it's done. And is that is that fair to Team LeBron? It is because they ha- they had the chance to get a stop, and it just didn't happen. Now. The one thing that the league would have to watch out for is intentional fouling. Now, that that goes away 
in this instance, because if you're down by two or no, excuse me, if you're up by three, you come out and you're over, you're over the limit. If that even, if that even happens at the all-star game and you're over the limit, they go to the line for two free throws. And even if they hit two, the game's over. There's really no point. If a player were to foul, were to intentionally foul the ball handler, the penalty would be two free throws, but then they get possession back. I think that would be I think that would be a fine penalty. Like you can have common fouls and stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But the intentional fouling is where I have to draw the line because you can do that in a regular NBA game, up to a certain point, of course, but not in the All Star game because that would just ruin the outcome. And keep in mind that this is just a minor tweak that the league would have to look into. They may decide that they don't like this format going forward, even though it yielded a great product. Is that something that is sustainable and again how much of it was impacted by Kobe and then how much of it was impacted by everything else like the actual format of the game maybe it persists I mean I guess maybe pull the players and see if they enjoyed the outcome I I don't really know I'm not the commissioner I'm just a guy on the internet talking shit what do I know nothing I do however know that Sunday was it was it was a good game I enjoyed watching it, even though I almost fell asleep at the end, just because I was tired and I'm a baby, can't stay up past 11 o'clock. I would not mind if they kept this format going forward, but they would just have to tweak the ending or tweak how the game could potentially end. My, uh, granted, I did not expect Team Giannis to contend for the victory. I know that his team is full of legitimate all-stars, but on paper, Team LeBron was... They, they were just infinitely more talented. Objectively, they had better players than Team Giannis did. I mean, Kawhi, LeBron, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Luka Doncic. Doncic and Harden, didn't, they weren't even big factors, which was kind of strange. But, yeah, I, I cannot stress about how much fun I had watching that game and how much fun I had watching All-Star Weekend as a whole. I can't really think back to all the previous years and assess them on the spot. But yeah, I will, I'd probably be upset if I missed any of the events over the last two days, but that's just me. I'm sure there are people that hated it because you can't exist without hating something and whatever. Shout out to them, I guess, or not. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's been for, it's been 45 minutes. I'm spent. I've been ranting for almost an hour now and thank you for listening to it if you did actually listen to the whole thing if not you think i'm annoying i understand but once again thank you to everyone who listened like subscribe give me a rating if you like it if you don't do not leave a rating because i'm sensitive and i might cry myself to sleep after reading all the bad reviews i will see you guys next week